Step into the mic today, Chris Miles, Ted Jeffries, and the one and only Mike Jones. With so many accolades to go through for you, coach, uh, head coach at the Matha, head coach for um, Team USA. Uh, what is it, 16 and under, 17 and under? I always get that uh, confused with, with the kids and their age group. But, coach, something that's been in the news in, in the DMV recently has a tie to you, and that's Chase Young just being a monster all over the all over the football field. I mean, the second overall pick in the draft for the Washington football team, arguably the biggest star they've had in, in more than a decade, maybe since RG3's rookie season. But you've known this kid for years. I mean, you coached him in high school and, and basketball as well. So I think all the people listening to this want to know, what was Chase Young like as a, as a basketball player, also playing with Markel Fultz, the number one pick in the NBA draft? I think the biggest thing with Chase, first of all, thanks for having me on. Uh, I, I would be remiss to talk about Chase without saying, uh, you got that a little wrong, Chris. Like I was fortunate enough to work with him. Like it wasn't <laughs> the other way around. Uh, you know, I, I truly feel like Chase is somebody that because of who he was as a young man, who he is as a young man, who he was as a student athlete, like all of us that were able to quote unquote coach him were blessed because we got to see someone who truly embraced his destiny and who he was going to be. And, you know, there's so many kids out there that believe, hey, I'm going to play in the NFL, I'm going to play in the NBA. Chase believed it, but Chase also took every single step that he was supposed to take in order to get there. Um, a lot of people don't realize this. If Chase wanted to be a Division One basketball player, he would have been. Um, you know, he but he he put his focus on on football. But um, when he came to us in his sophomore year uh, at the Matthew, you could see that he had the ability, and it was that. Well, which one is he going to really pursue? Because had he chosen basketball, then we would have been able to help him along his 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 trail to become a Division One athlete. Um, I was fortunate enough to coach him um, or to have him on my team and his influence. I taught him in class as well uh, in public speaking. His his influence on a team's kind of psyche and a, and, a, and a classroom psyche was it was pretty tremendous. TJ, let me tell you a, f a funny story about the first time I saw Chase. Um, it was actually, you know, I just was attending a, I would call it a regular Dematha game. I don't even remember who you guys were playing, but I was, I was, I was trying to figure out who Markel Fultz was. What I try not to do is look at the roster because if a player's outstanding, they should just pop when they're on the court. And as I'm standing there, I think there's a grown man walking over <laughs> towards me with like a tank top on. And I'm like, why is this grown man in this high school gym with a tank top on? And who, what, what does he play in the NFL? What team is he on? And obviously it was Chase Young, TJ. You should have seen, I found out that this kid was, I think he was a sophomore at the time. Markel was a junior. I don't know if I got those years right, but he wasn't on the court at the time. Uh, so, so Mike, what was your first impression when you saw Chase the very first time? Because for me, he looked like a grown man. I could not believe that he was a sophomore in high school. Well, we have the thing where we call does he pass the eye test? So when I heard Chase was transferring to DeMatha um, and I heard he played both football and basketball and no one had that answer of what he wanted to really focus on, 
Like I, I wanted to just lay eyes on him because I wanted to know, like, you know, does he pass the eye test? I've heard of him, but I don't know who he is. And when I saw him, I was like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he we'll we'll give we'll give him a shot. <laughs> yeah, he checked all the boxes, TJ. <laughs> so uh yeah, I mean he he immediately impresses you just because, you know, his appearance. Hey, Coach, when you think about and you know, not just Chase and you know Markel, but you, I mean, you've got guys now, you know, we just saw the uh uh in the water series and a lot of uh, DeMatha was highlighted in, in that uh, documentary. Talk about some of the other great players that you've had come through your program since you've taken the helm. Yeah, we, uh, we've got six in the NBA right now. Uh, you know, hoping that in the next couple of years from the phone calls that I get weekly from, you know, NBA front offices, uh, we're going to have a couple more in the next few years too. So, um, you know, I want, I want to, not that it's a goal, because it's not a goal, because I want our kids to be able to just pursue their dreams. But, you know, if we can get up to 10 in the league, you know, I'll feel like, you know, we've really done something. And honestly, you know, everything we do, everything I do, it's, I, I started coaching because I wanted to coach, I love the game. And following behind Coach Wooten, I just wanted to make him proud. And I, I just really feel like every time we get another guy at that level, um, he's proud of all of them, but I, I, I know that will make him proud. So coach, when you, you know, uh, when you talk about that legacy, stepping in to those shoes, to be the man following such a, an icon, a legend, um, you know, talk about your, your thought, your thought process on how do I begin this, you know, begin this career, my own career behind Morgan Wooten and yeah. trying to step into those shoes. <laughs> Man, that's 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 for the book one day. Um, <laughs> that that I mean, first of all, that seems like so long ago now. Um, you know, I, I but I will never forget Coach walking into my office. I'm going to say November six, two thousand two, uh, to say he was having a press conference the following day to announce he was retiring. Um, I'll never forget that moment uh, because I knew what that meant, um, but. You know, honestly, the first couple of years are a blur. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to come out of that blur, that fog, uh, still standing because the first year was rough. The second year was a little less rough, but still <laughs> rough. Uh, but but we, we figured it out. And if it wasn't for all of the guys that coached with me, the players were great, the families were great. Like, we, we were given a real chance to establish ourselves, and, and I'm so thankful for that. Well, established you are, like you mentioned, all the guys that you've coached that, I mean, if we try to go down a list of Division One kids, we'd be here forever. But you mentioned some of the pros. Let's go to the, the guy who's a prospect now in Hunter Dickinson uh, from Michigan. I mean, I remember the first time I saw Hunter, I thought, okay, he's tall, right? Then the next time I saw him, I was like, oh, he can pass, he can move. And then I saw him at Michigan, and I'm like, wow. The way that this kid has developed from the time that you first had him to the time he graduated to now, talk about his growth and, and what he looks like as a prospect for the NBA in the future, because I'm pretty sure this guy working for NBA TV, I'm going to be talking about Hunter Dickinson soon. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a basketball player. Yes, he's 7'1". Um, yes, he's 260 pounds or whatever, uh, but he's a basketball player. He can 
he thinks the game so so high. And most people, when you say basketball IQ, you think of point guards. Like Hunter is one of the smartest players I've ever coached. Um, he and I would say Terrell Allen are the two smartest players I've ever been able to work with because they thought the game so much and they were always like one step ahead. And that's Hunter. And I think that's one of the, the attributes that's truly going to help him be a great player for a long time um, or an impactful player for a long time. Uh, the other thing is, I think, you know, with all our guys, and I think one of the reasons why we do have uh, such a strong history of guys playing at the highest level is because our guys learn to play with other really good players at a young age. Uh, you know, they don't walk into DeMatha and they're handed the ball and told to dominate from day one. Like, you know, you look at a guy like Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant has always played with other good players. He's never had to adjust to, oh my gosh, like now I have to share the ball. And I think, you know, NBA teams, like when you talk to them, that's what they talk about. It's, it's you know, I talked to the Dallas Mavericks coach the other night and he was just like, look, Luka Doncic for the next, you know, dozen years is going to have the ball 90% of the time. When we go to pick somebody, we need somebody that's able to play without having the ball because this guy is going to have it. And we can't pick a guy that is going to get so frustrated because he doesn't have the ball. And so a lot of times kids kind of lose that in their upbringing and their training and things like that. But you've got to learn how to play without the basketball in your hands because there's only a handful of superstars, you know, 95% of that league of guys that they don't, they don't get to do everything they want to do. Coach, as an alum of DeMatha, uh, you know, you're the leader of the helm. You played on a great DeMatha team, one of the best in DeMatha history. You know, talk about what it means to you to not only be, you know, this head coach at this iconic program and iconic school, but to be the leader of men, young black men, especially in this, this age and time in our country right now. It's a responsibility. Um, it, is, it is truly a responsibility that I, you know, first of all, you have to recognize that that is part of what my job is. And, and it didn't take me long to realize that. Um, you know, I'm, I mentioned a lot of times when I'm talking about our program, I, I mentioned the support I get from our parents and our families. And, you know, pretty early on in my career, I had a couple of parents come to me and express to me how important it was for me to embrace the role model role and the, the role I had of leading young black men, um, especially so, um, and then young men in general. And uh, it's just something like for anyone to be on my staff, they have to realize that that's part of the responsibility that we have. And, I mean, that's what our whole school is, but you know, I, I, I truly embrace that. I understand how important that is. And especially in times like now, um, it's, it's an ever-changing world, which means my job changes with it. Um, you know, what was important to kids 10 years ago is not important to them anymore. Uh, what will be important two years from now is not what's important to our kids today. So um, I have to be very flexible uh, with, uh, with, with my job, and, and, I, and I, I embrace that. Along those lines, just leave it right there. What's most important for you? Um, when you're talking to these kids and you're helping them matriculate through DeMatha? Uh, you know, it's, it's a fine line of you got to gain their trust. 
but you also have to speak to them and pour confidence into them. And that's a really tough, tricky thing. Uh, but you know, I want every player to come to the realization of how much I care about him at some point in time. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes that doesn't happen until they're gone, uh, until they're, they're, they're long, no longer walking the halls of the math and putting that jersey on. But uh, I, I'd like to think that most every person that's ever played on one of my teams has come to that realization. Um, I tell Jarris Lyles a story all the time. You know, Jarris graduated from us in 2013, went to play for Shaka Smart at VCU. He transferred to Duquesne. He transferred to UMBC and then wound up having a heck of a career at UMBC for two and a half years. You had to bring that up, didn't you, Coach? You had to bring that hey, up. Hey, 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 you know, no offense to these <laughs> fans out there. But I mean, Jarris is my guy. Yeah. I remember him when he was in the seventh grade, starting to watch him. Um, and, you know, he, he he played with the Utah Jazz for a year or Utah and their G League team for a year. He, uh, you know, has played overseas since. But he's somebody who, I mean, we butted heads daily. And, you know, I'm sure he would tell you I was tough to play for. I, I would tell you he was tough to coach. But we could not be closer to this day. You know, now he's a dad. He's a husband. Uh, he 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 learned a lot through the trials and tribulations he's had. And, you know, not that I'm bragging, but that's one of the young men who I look at and I say, you know, had I given up on him, had I just tossed him to the side because I didn't like the way he was handling things. Like, who knows what happens to that young man? So. Um, I'm so proud of him, and I mean, he's one of those stories that that that's why I coach. Well, you're certainly leading a, leaving a legacy uh, yourself, Mike. When I look at all the players you've had and all the things you've accomplished, but here's a tough one for you. We've had this before. A lot of times, guests on this show, as far as a all-time Demathis starting five, but just the guys you coached uh, by position. Give me your starting five, the unbeatable DeMatha starting five. No way you getting me to answer that. (laughs) See, TJ and those guys don't have to look at those guys in the face. You know, TJ can tell you the guys he played with. So, you know, he's going to be biased to them. Like, I I can't do that. I mean, you know, I've had, you know, 18 seasons of kids who – have been very successful. There's no way and yeah, I, I can't do that. Um, I've coached some really good guys. If you ask me to yeah, start exactly. naming, I'm going to just keep naming. So make sure <laughs> I don't miss anybody. I'll start from my seniors back in 2002, 2003, and I'll name every senior that ever played for me. So don't do that to me, man. <laughs> so TJ, before we started this uh, podcast today, you asked Mike, oh, do you know Chris? Well, here's a little funny tidbit for you. I've known a coach before he was coach uh, since I was 10 years old, actually 10 or 11 years old. So my brother played with him at ODU. Uh, And so the story goes, it's, it's, it's really interesting because I saw Mike and I was just running behind him because I knew he was like, I'm like, yeah, that guy's good. He's special. So I used to follow him around when we went to go visit my brother a few times. And I don't know if Mike remembered that when I first saw him again, but then he scouted, against my high school basketball team when he first got uh, back into coaching uh, at DeMath. And he didn't know that I was the same little kid that followed him around. And the kid that kept me on the bench 
Andre Barrett <laughs> gave Mike Fitz. Mike, would you like to tell your, your side of those two stories? Because they're both pretty hilarious. Our connection from the 90s and the early 2000s. Yeah, well, your brother, Corey, was, I mean, we were teammates. We were roommates. And we became brothers. And, uh, like, I, I do remember those days of you guys coming down like you being around and I'm just like, yo, man, get your brother out of here, man. Like, <laughs> so yeah, I, I do remember those days. Uh, and then, yeah, Andre Barrett, man. Whew. Yeah. He, uh, he might, he, if I wasn't coaching today, he might be the reason, um, <laughs> you know, he, uh, you know, working for coach Wooten. So, you know, the assistant coaches, a lot of times get an opportunity to go out and scout. And my very first opportunity to scout, um, you know, pat myself on the back. I did a great job. I did a great job. I, I took the risk of saying something that was not popular uh, in preparation for the game. And then after the game, DeMatha won. Uh, Coach Wooten gave me the thumbs up and the kudos because what I was saying was totally contrary to what everyone else thought. And it wound up being the reason why we were so effective. So that was the first game. The second game I scouted was against Andre Barrett's team. And Maybe I got a little too full of myself because I did such a good job the first time. So I went back to the well one too many times and I, I went against <laughs> the grain on how to guard Andre Barrett. And he literally just butchered us. And I mean, to the point where I had the players on the team looking at me like, yo, what the heck? <laughs> and I could, I mean, Coach Wood would never do it, but I know deep down he was just like, yo, I'm not listening to him anymore. <laughs> so um, I, I got humbled really quick. Um, I got humbled really quick. And I, I'll never forget that. So I bump into Andre every now and then because uh, he does stuff with the NCAA and, and the transition program with the USA basketball uh, national teams. And uh, every now and then I'll bring that up to him. I'm just like, yo, man, like I might not even be standing here with you uh, had, you know, I didn't get another shot to redeem myself. So yeah, Andre Barrett is, <laughs> he, to me, he's the best player I've ever coached against because <laughs> he almost <laughs> won my entire career. Well, Mike, uh, I think you got one part of that story incorrect. That was Chris Miles's team. Okay. As the number one, <laughs> as the number one clapper on the bench, that was Chris Miles' team. <laughs> But uh, one other thing you said, you mentioned Team USA. I mean, how incredible has that experience been for you? You know, when, when you get to coach these guys, see these guys, and knowing that they are a spectacular talent. I mean, you, you have a bunch of those at DeMatha, but to have them all together at the same time, uh, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's truly a blessing. Um, I could not be more thankful for that opportunity. That is something that I think anybody that coaches wants to do. and. Fortunately enough for me, I was given the opportunity to do it. Um, the biggest thing with that is, you know, with Team USA, like at the math, all our kids want to be Division One athletes. They all expect to be Division One athletes. That's why they come to the math. And then in the back of their mind, they all believe that they have a chance to be a pro. USA team, everybody is a pro. Like every one of those kids, and it's almost like if they don't make it, something went wrong. If you don't make it out of the math or to the NBA, it's not like something had to go wrong. If you don't make it to the NBA from Team USA, somebody's blaming it on something. Um, and that's, that's, that's the difference. Um, it is definitely an elite level 
talent and that requires, you know, from me and the rest of the coaches, like just a different mindset. Um, and then it doesn't help that the guy that I follow behind that I was able to coach with for a little while, uh, he never lost a game. You know, Don Showalter was, when the program started back in 2009, was the coach all the way until 2018, so 10 years. He never lost a game, won 10 gold medals. Um, and like literally in FIBA basketball, he's known as Mr. Perfect. So, you know, I kind of joked a little bit when I was asked to be the coach that, you know, hey, I've, I've followed a legend before, um, but at least Coach Wooten lost a game. <laughs> no, you know, Coach Showalter had never lost. And it was a uh, first game I coached, the very first game I coached down in Brazil. Uh, we were losing 27 to 5. And I was just like, yo, so how can I get to the airport before <laughs> uh, they take my passport? Um, and we wound up coming back and winning the game. And we went on to win the gold medal. But um, you talk about pressure. Uh, DeMatha definitely prepared me to be able to handle that somewhat. So, Coach, uh, you know, right now, well, let's, let's start this way. You have a lot of uh, great experiences, especially with your senior class. Right now, the country is facing this pandemic, and we're trying to deal with, and I know that you have, you know, toiled with whether or not you're going to be able to get your guys to work out. Now it's a question whether or not there's even going to be a season. Right. So, you know, that is got to be a challenge for you, for your guys that are, you know, your senior class that have paid dividends and paid sweat equity into your program. You know, how do you manage that, you know, that conversation with them and with your team? And what are you guys doing and able to do right now? So the biggest thing is, you know, prioritizing everything and, uh, my staff and I have decided that our priority for this season, no matter what it looks like, is just to get all our guys into school. Um, so, you know, we have three seniors right now uh, that we expect to be on our team, uh, possibly another, because uh, we're still kind of going through the trial process. But um, one of them has committed to UConn already. Uh, but the other two, like, yo, it's it's that's our priority. Uh, you know, and I hate to say it because who knows what the season will be like, who knows what a championship, like how that'll be crowned, if it's crowned at all, because everybody can't play the same way. So like with that being the case, like we just want to get our kids in school. Uh, we want to keep our track record going of all of our seniors having that opportunity. Um, so like that is our priority right now. And, you know, as of today, today will be our fourth tryout. Um, later today, this afternoon, um, we are allowed in our gym, we are allowed to uh, practice, but with some limitations, like there cannot be, like we can't just go out there and roll them on, let them play pickup, like we can't go contact 100% of the time. Um, and we're thankful for that. Like, you know, if you had told me that a year ago, I'd be like, what do you mean? Like, yo, I need guys to compete. I need to know who can play. But right now, I don't care if they told me, hey, they, they all got to stay six feet apart the entire workout. Like, I'd be happy just to be in the gym with my team. So uh, that's where we are right now. Uh, we're supposed to be able to start playing games after the new year, uh, around January 6th. Uh, we'll see if that happens. If that does happen, uh, you know, I'll be thanking God and, and we'll run with it. If it doesn't, like, we'll just roll with the punches. Uh, one thing that sports does, it, it teaches you a lot of things that will help you in life. And with this whole situation, you know, we're just trying to teach our kids to be resilient 
and to have, you know, the, the outlook that, hey, whatever happens, we're going to be okay. It's just we have to handle it right. So, you know, whatever happens with our season, we're going to deal with it and we're going to make the best of it. So. Fantastic. Coach, before we let you go here, we know you got a busy schedule. Uh, we just want to, we do a little rapid fire question and a little Q and A. Okay. So we're going to throw some things at you. Uh, I know you have a strong camaraderie uh, with a certain coach in DC. You guys are golfing buddies. <laughs> you go way back and, you know, to your credit before I make, you know, make, uh, take you through the questioning. Congratulations on being, you know, two African-American coaches and on a national uh, stage with, two great programs. So that's you to be commended for that. Appreciate but, it. But now I got to get into, I know you guys have a standing, you know, golf outing almost every summer as the summer will allow. We Who's, try. Yeah. We try. So I, I hope Steve doesn't get mad at me, but I'm, you know, I'm just telling like it is. I feel like Steve's been ducking me <laughs> a little bit, you know. I feel like Steve's been ducking me, so. So do I have the answer to my question? Are you preempting my and my my aunt, the the answer by saying he you are the better golfer than Steve Turner is? I'm the better golfer. Steve's the better dancer. Like, <laughs> and, and 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 I'm a, and I'm gonna put it like I don't think either one of those is even close. So okay, if you turn some music on, Steve, I think will dance. I'll dance anybody. But you put that ball on the tee, like I I, I got him. I mean, some might say, judging by your answer, Coach, you were saying that he's dancing, you know, just dancing away from the, you know, ducking that wreck. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> your word is not mine, but that, that sounds about accurate. I got you. All right, so now I got to bring my uh, my esteemed colleague into this uh, Q&A answer right here. So we know, you know, we got a guy from New York City. He rides hard for the, you know, for the five boroughs. And you know, there's a there's a great Catholic league up there, but we got two gentlemen on this broadcast right now that you know gave blood, sweat, and tears, and arguably the number one Catholic league in the in the country. Coach, you know, set the record straight for everybody on this Zoom. What's the number one Catholic league in the country, please? It's not arguable. <laughs> one and two, you can take. We we're very proud of our Catholic Catholic foundation, but you can take the word Catholic out of that. We are the number one conference in the country, bar none. Like the prep school league, the the league in Florida, the, the SEAC, you know, whatever they call it, the Chicago Public School League, wherever, it doesn't matter. Our teams from top to bottom, like we are the best league in the country. Um, I can think back a few years ago, O'Connell finished eighth in our league. They finished eighth. They beat the number one team in the country that season but they only finished eighth in our conference. Like, I think, I, I don't think you'll find that anywhere else. You know, I would have argued against that in the 1990s, but now I, there, there's no argument, TJ. We talked about this the other day. I mean, you know, it used to be where you might face a team that had, you know, two pros on it, like Ron Artest, God, Sham God, but that's the 90s, man. That's not how New York is now. Now kids are good, and they're like, oh, I'm going to Huntington Prep out in West Virginia or something, man. That, that's what's happening in New York hoops. So in, in that respect, I love the fact that here in the DMV, we got the talent stays home. Mike, why is that? I mean, that's my final question for you. Seeing how, you know, high school basketball even has changed where a kid's really good, 
and they're getting outsourced to another school and whether it's in Florida or, you know, Ohio, wherever it is, but the kids here, they stay and they compete. Well, if we're being honest, not all of them stay. Like there are some, like Benny Williams is at IMG right now. Like, you know, he's one of the best, was one of the all met guys from last season and one of the few that were returning. But I think the biggest thing for us is there's so many players. So even when a guy leaves, there's somebody ready to step right into that void. And, you know, that I think ultimately that is one of the things that kind of sets our area apart. Um, you know, the, it's it's in the water as the, as the movie goes. It's the way our basketball culture here is bred from a very young age. And I think the most unique thing that we have is all of our superstars from this area, they come back. So they're, you know, they come speak at a camp. They come play in the rec centers. They come play in the summer leagues. So that the little kids growing up, I mean, it's not just somebody you watch on TV. You can actually touch them, so to speak. And I think that's the biggest thing. For for Markel folks, you know, the Monday after he got drafted on a Thursday night, the Monday after he got drafted, he's standing in front of, you know, 185 kids at the math of basketball camp. And like literally was going to take a picture with every single one of them, not because he was asked to, because he wanted to, like he remembered being a camper at one point in time. And so all of those kids, like, it's not just, oh my gosh, I want to be like Markel that I see on TV. It was, I'm in a position where I can see a, a somebody who like is standing right in front of me. And it, it, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Yeah, certainly uh, so much history, so much talent at DeMatha. We know you have some business to attend to today. Uh, we thank you for stepping to the mic, Mike Jones, but this can't be the last time. All right, we're going to get you on here again because this feels like a part one of a part two or three series, man. Can't wait to talk to you again, Mike Jones. Yeah, I thought y'all bumped me, so yeah, call me back. <laughs> Never that, coach. Never get bumped. We're not, we, we don't have that type of status. <laughs>